Welcome to the Creative Sheet Podcast. My name is Roman, and this is the show where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire church leaders to get better in all aspects of ministry and in life and in aerobics. That third one's not a thing. We don't we don't talk about aerobics. Um, but today we are talking all about social media, and uh, it's what all the kids are talking about. It's what all the kids are doing. You know, it's a hot new thing. This this social media craze. Um, actually, not just the kids, the grandparents, probably more than anybody, are using social media. And uh, we're going to talk about, should the church even bother with this? Is this just a passing fad? Should the church, you know, worry about building a following on the internet? So we're going to be talking to an expert when it comes to social media. His name's Carlos Whitaker. You may know him as Loswit. That is his Twitter and Instagram handle. And uh, he's also got a super popular blog, So we're going to be talking to him later in the show. But before that, I thought we could kick it over to a segment called Shameless Plug. Roll the bumper. Shameless. Shame, shameless. 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 Shame, shameless. Let's go on a journey. Your service is about to begin. The seats are filling up. The crowd is a little bit sleepy. It's morning time. You know, it's maybe 9 a.m. Everyone's just feeling a little bit drowsy. Just rolled out of bed and got to church. Spirits are a little bit low. But wait. The screen comes on. and begins to talk to the audience. It says things like, Hey, how you doing? You look great today. And then it begins to to coach them into doing things. Things that you never thought possible. Like, hey, everyone raise your right hand and wave it in the air like you just don't care. Or high five the person next to you. Or take 30 seconds and mingle. Meet someone new. Stuff that ordinarily would not happen, but because the screen is telling your audience to do it, they will do it. Imagine if that was a real thing. Wait a second, it is a real thing. It's called Steve the Screen, and it's on our website, creativesheep.org, so go check it out. If uh, if maybe you want a boost in your service, maybe you want to break the ice before you hit the stage for worship, it is amazing what people will do when the screen tells them to do so. I mean, it, it really is amazing. So if you don't believe me, try it once. You'll be amazed. Steve the Screen, check it out on creativesheep.org. That's the shameless plug for today. Moving on. Shameless. Okay, well, it is time for our interview. So I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to Mr. Jared Hogue interviewing Carlos Whitaker. Welcome, everybody, to the Creative Sheep Podcast. My name is Jared Hogue, and today we are joined by Carlos Whitaker. Carlos travels the world singing, speaking, writing books, but is probably most wildly known for his hatred of meatloaf. Uh, Carlos, thanks so much for joining us on the Creative Sheet Podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for thanks for having me, and thanks for not paying me in meatloaf. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I have to ask, why the disdain for meatloaf? It's my mother's fault. She was a horrible meatloaf cook. And uh, and, and she would, every Wednesday night before we go to church, uh, she would feed us meatloaf. And so I promised myself, when I turned 18 and I moved out of the house, I would never take a bite of meatloaf again. Have you held true? I have held true. My wife has even tried, but I'm not going to do it. (laughs) That's amazing. Dude, I have the same story, except it was my dad on Sundays. Really? Yes, yes. And to this day, me and my brothers and sisters, none of us will eat meatloaf. Oh, man. Well, well, good, man. I I knew I could connect with you in various ways. (laughs) I'm so happy to find that. Who knew it would be through meatloaf? Who knew? Who knew? All right, let's jump right in, man. Uh, Social media in the church. Yeah. Uh, First question for you. Do you think churches utilize social media properly? I think they're horrible at it. I, I I think that churches are using social media as a 
basically as a new form of their Sunday bulletin. And, uh, and I think they're horrible at it. I, I think that, that the more churches I travel to, the more I travel the country and the world, uh, and see kind of what their communications departments and social media strategy looks like, um, it, you know, I, I think they may have the right tools in their hands, but I definitely don't think that they are using the tools correctly. Sometimes I think they're using a hammer to knock down a wall or a jackhammer to, to hammer a tiny little nail into the wall. So uh, that's a long way to answer your question, but no. <laughs> no, that man, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree yeah. more. Um, I, I, in fact, I saw one of your blogs where you got stuck on the tram at the Miami airport. Yeah, um, sure. And where you were able to actually spin this and turning it, turn it into something awesome, where you ended up on the local news in Miami Absolutely. through this situation. Why don't, why don't you tell us just kind of give us a synopsis of what happened and how all this yeah. came about? Well, absolutely. So here's the thing. You know, I, I believe that social media is, is, a, is a storytelling device. I just think that that's, that's what we need to do. And I also think that we don't give ourselves enough credit when it comes to how, uh, how, how, how strong of an arm we have when it comes to using these tools. And so here's the thing. I was, I was traveling on, um, uh, I can't remember where I was coming from or going to, but I know it was in Miami. And I was on the tram. And, and the tram was taking me from point A to point B to one of the concourses, and it got stuck. So we're about two minutes into it getting stuck, and I noticed that in the tram, I had a bunch of uh, characters on the tram. I mean, there was, you know, there was the typical Miami loud kind of Miami Vice-looking guy. There was the Catholic <laughs> mom. There was like, it was like a reality <laughs> show waiting to happen in the tram. And, um, and I, I, I said to myself, and I recorded a video of myself saying, saying I'm going to be on the news. And, and that's what I, like, like, it was almost a test to see how I could use social media. And so I recorded that and I sent that to my wife and she laughed at me. <laughs> and so I said, okay, what tool, what specific tool could I use? So I, I had a choice, right? I had a gamut. I could Facebook, I could Instagram, I could Twitter, I could Vine, I could Snapchat. What am I going to do? And I thought, well, the n- most news outlets are on, are on Twitter. So I'm going to use Vine, which natively embeds into Twitter, and I'm going to Vine this adventure. Well, little did I know that, that it went from five minutes on that tram to us being stuck for about an hour. And so I created a hashtag, and I called it Miami Tram Airport Disaster. And I started tweeting this, and people started retweeting it, and then sure enough, the local news picked it up. And the next thing you know, we're on the tram for an hour. Like, I Vine the entire experience. We're on all the local news. Like, I'm in the newspaper. The Miami airport uh, marketing and PR team finds me in the Delta Sky Club to give me gifts, tell me they're sorry. Oh, my like, goodness. So, so, so suddenly, like, I, what I did was I turned, um, I turned what was literally a non-news event. Like, there's trams stuck in every airport around the country every day all the time. But I turned this purposely almost as a test to see how strong social media is. And sure enough, um, I was on the news, and it was a blast. It was hilarious. That's incredible. That is yeah. incredible. <laughs> Um, There's so many parts of this I want to jump into. And the reason why I had you tell this story uh, is because one of the things I love that you said just a moment ago, and I can't remember who else I've heard say this, uh, but is that we have to give ourselves permission to tell the story. Yeah. And you did that on this tram. Yep. Um, and, and you you made it something more than it was, which is incredible. And then the, the second thing that I would point out, and this is something we've talked a lot about here at Creative Sheep, um, is that um, always keeping your radar up, that you're always looking for right. that thing. And it, it seems like that's what you were doing that day on the tram. 
Yeah, you know, I, I do this thing. Um, I have this process every day um, that I call my exploration technique, where where three times a day I have an alarm go off on my phone that 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 tells me to explore. And what I do when I explore is I look for something to capture in that moment. And so what that what that's done, you know, I'll capture it. I'll stick it in Evernote and I'll use it for you know if I'm planning um, a catalyst conference or a sermon series for you know Pastor X, whatever it might be. Like I now you know I've got an Evernote file that's filled with thirty six thousand ideas because I've, I've captured these and I made it a habit. Well, what that's also done is allowed me to kind of keep my radar up, just like you said, to look for events in life that actually can be turned into a story that people would love to follow. And so what I've kind of turned into is just a guy that is really looking for stories all the time, trying to live adventures, and finding adventures in the mundane and ordinary life. Oh my gosh, I freaking love that. That yeah. is incredible. Um, I love that you have an alarm. I'm going to do that, actually, when I get out of the, the recording booth <laughs> here. Go. I am going to put those alarms on my phone. That is incredible. So it's not only not only that your radar is always up, you're actually being very intentional in Absolutely. finding stories. You're searching them out. Well, and, and, and you know, it's just the thing, a lot of people listening to your podcast, they may, they may be working at a church or developing content for their church and nonprofit or ministry. And, I'm, you know, the, the worst place anybody can go to do anything is Google. Yeah, when we go into a creative meeting, that's the first thing people do is they open up their laptop and they go to Google and they Google whatever topic they're looking for. And what I tell people all the time is, no, why don't you become your own Google? If you start right now capturing three ideas a day, you'll be blown away by the amount of ideas, whether they're great ideas or bad ideas, you're just going to have a vault filled with so many ideas. And again, Evernote's a great tool, right, because it can search for you, you can tag it, it can read, uh, it can read the words in the photos, all that kind of stuff. So I use Evernote. And what it's done is it tur- it's turned me into what looks like a creative genius when I'm in creative meetings, but it, I'm really not. I'm just kind of cheating because I've already mm-hmm. done all the work and everybody else is doing the work in the meeting. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Yeah. Um, and then one thing back to the Miami tram sure. incident here. Uh, one thing you said in that blog that you wrote, there were three tips that you gave um, in creating content and you were specifically talking about social media but yeah. I would say that it even extends beyond that. But there were three things you gave. The first one, and I'm going to ask you to explain each one of these if you would. Okay. First one was make it epic. Yeah. Make it epic. Okay. Uh, obviously, here, here's, here's the example. I think I touched on this. This was not a disaster, first of all. Nobody got hurt. You know, there was. But, and, and I knew that this thing happens on a daily basis. And here, here's the thing. is like we've, we have been cultured to believe and groomed to believe <laughs> in our culture that the only thing that is epic means that it's got to be like a million views on YouTube, has to have tons of lasers and smoke and haze. And when I think of what the word epic describes, I've got to go back 100 years before there was social media. And suddenly, epic became a lot bigger on a personal scale. But now that we've got access to everybody else's stage and everybody else's epicness, suddenly our epicness feels so small. But no, that's not the case. Things are epic in your life that you don't believe are epic. Again, just think about if you never saw your friend, you know, do X, then you would probably think that when you do Y, it was just as epic as their epicness. We, we just, we're, we're in a comparing, you know, culture. And so every day I believe that, you know, and this goes along with my book, this Moment Maker book, that I'm living this epic life. And, and so when I saw the, the, the tram pause, I said, I'm going to make this epic. I started interviewing people on the tram. I started finding their stories. I started following them around. I started talking to the flight attendant, and she was telling me where she's heading. And then, you know, uh, hey, where can she watch this video? And then she tells her friends. And, well, the next thing you know, this thing is epic. The news thought it was epic. 
So they show up and they're trying to get a story out of me, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, I mean, everybody's fine, but, uh, you know, the cops showed up, the fire department showed up, they pulled us out. And even the news in Miami is so lacking for epic things that they made my tram disaster the top news, not only that <laughs> night, but the next morning they ran it again. Are you so, kidding me? Yes, yeah, so that just goes to show. This just goes to show that the world is looking for epicness, and it doesn't have to be these massive things. We are all the epic that the world needs. <laughs> Man, that's so good. It's so good. Yeah, Next, dude. Second thing you said, have fun. Have fun, man. Have fun, laugh. I mean, gosh, the, the church is the most, you know, emo place on the planet sometimes on Sunday mornings. And, you know, and even in our social media channels, when I look at church's social media channels, make sure you're showing yourself having fun. Not only showing yourself having fun, just make sure you're having fun. You know, I mean, that, that's just something that I try to instill in my kids in my ministry and everything that I do, if people invite me to an event to speak, they invite me to worship, it's not going to be emo guy. Now listen, there's, there's room for that guy. That guy is necessary in certain environments, but I believe that more people are going to, I believe, come to a disturbing, disrupting view of who Jesus is when, when, when they're attracted to our life. And most of the time, people are going to be attracted to people that are having fun. So I try to have fun in everything that I do. And then again, in social media, um, I think that's why my social media brand is gotten to the point where it is, is because I'm having fun on there. And I'm not showing everything perfect. I'm not, you know, I, it's not like these vines were edited and I wasn't shooting them with my Canon 5D. You know, I, I was just having fun with the, with the tool that I had, you know, in hand. So yeah, have fun. You, I don't have to get too deep into that. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally you said give back. Yeah. Give back. Now, I, I, I don't necessarily know how I gave back on that tram. I may have had a, a deep thought on that when I wrote that blog. Um, but I definitely understand the, the concept of, you know, giving back on my social media channels. You know, I try to make sure that my social media channels are a uh, two-way conversation and that I'm constantly giving back, you know, um, that I'm constantly communicating back with people. When people comment with me, I'll, I'll, I have people tell me all the time, man, you know, like I didn't ever expect you to write me back or I didn't expect you to tweet me back. Thanks so much for doing that. I mean, that small action, what it did was it propelled that relationship even deeper. So if we're thinking, if we're thinking along the lines of churches, you know, instead of making statements on social media, ask questions on social media, and then suddenly things will be able to begin to flow. My church is doing a, um, here uh, in Nashville is doing a series called, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but they just launched it today. And I noticed on their social media channels that they're asking people questions um, that will be involved in the sermon series. So again, I feel like it, they're using their social media channel not just as a megaphone, but more as a coffee table. And so they're giving back in those kind of things. And then, you know, you know, you can give back by just telling great stories and inspiring people, and that's what I'm trying to do daily. That's, that's fantastic. So to kind of spin this back to the church, and I know you just gave an example there of your church utilizing social media, and I, I couldn't agree with you more, that it needs to be two-way communication. It's not a broadcast medium. Right. Uh, that this is, and, and I'm, I'm picking up on, and I could be wrong, but I'm picking on, do you, do you follow Gary Vaynerchuk closely? Oh, yeah, I follow him very closely, absolutely. And yeah. he talks a lot about uh, these different principles, and um, man, he's, he's a master at it. And from what I've seen absolutely. of you, you are, you are as well. You're a beast on, on this kind of thing. Um, but even... I, even the, I, I noticed the other day, one of your adventures this year, 2015 is your year of adventure. Yep. Um, and, and one of the adventures you did is you went out on your back porch and, and slept in a sleeping bag. Was it like three degrees or something like it was that? Three. It was three degrees. That is so freaking cold. <laughs> it was so cold. 
But I, I just remember, I assumed it was the picture of the next morning when you woke up, and it, it looked like you'd yep. been probably hit by a Mack truck. Uh, <laughs> you could not have slept well out there. Um, but, like, it, it's just a way to, to tell this. You're telling a simple story right there, but it's still a story nonetheless, and it's another way you've kept the radar up. So to kind of spin this to how a church could use it, yeah. What are what are some tips or, or tricks that you might throw out and say for a church? Try this. Well, okay, here's the thing. I, I think that Sunday morning sermons are are effective because people are sitting in rows listening to somebody speak. So when, when we try to do that um, on social media, I don't think it works as well. And and I feel like what churches end up trying to do is to give many sermons or motivate people through many quotes or whatever it might be on their social media accounts. And while that may be effective on Pinterest, and while that may be effective, you know, in, in getting people to reshare what you're doing, I don't think it's as effective as inspiring people with your story. So, so again, you, you, you tapped on this, and I think it does um, cross-pollinate into church culture pretty well. So what I've decided to do in 2015 is to live in a, a year of adventure which is kind of piggybacking off my book, Moment Maker. And so every week I'm going to take an adventure. Now, I'm taking this adventure for myself, but by broadcasting the story and the adventure online, what it's doing is it's showing every 35-year-old father out there that's got three kids and a mortgage and thinks that adventuring is done, that they can have an adventure and live an adventure wherever they're at. So through my Snapchat channel, I'm showing it live. Through YouTube, I'm showing a replay. Through my blog and Instagram, I'm asking people, to jump on board. And what I've seen happen is people are now starting to do adventures themselves. And so that's where I believe social media is the strongest, is what it's doing is it's in empowering people to live better stories of themselves. So let's move that over to the church space. Instead of, um, uh, an example I can think of is, is okay, so your pastor preached um, a great message on Sunday. And say the message was, uh, who, who knows what it was on, but he preached it. What a church would automatically normally do, I believe, is take clips of the message and tweet that out or quotes from the message. What if that week the social media strategists at that church found ways for people to live out that story on social media? And so suddenly, instead of telling the story, they're living the story. And so you've got people in your church that are applying the principles that were taught through social media as opposed to just teaching the principles again. So I just think social media is is a lot stronger when we're living out a story as opposed to teaching a story. And, um, and I think churches could start doing that. I mean, I mean that literally just kind of came to me right now. I'm going to talk to, to Brewster, my creative arts pastor, today and be like, okay, Pete's preaching this relationship series. What if now we've followed a couple of single people in our church on social media and told their story of them applying these principles every single week? I think that's going to be a lot stronger of a, of a lull than just trying to inspire through quotes. Man, that's really, really interesting. And just just to uh, give some context there, the church you attend, uh, Pete Wilson's the pastor, and the name is slipping my mind right now. Uh, what, cross Point. Cross Point, that's it. Okay, yep. Cross Point, your church. Great, great. Yep. Um, <clears throat> just so that people can see, because it sounds like that's yep. a church that you're doing some work with on the social media side. Um, oh, always, yeah. Right on, right on. Um, now, always. let me ask you this. Do you consider blogging a part of your social media effort? Um, I, I used to. Um, I, well, okay, let, let's, let's define blogging first. Um, I think for, for the longest time, I started a, a website that was a blog in 2005, and I named it ragamuffinstall.com, and for about seven years, every day I wrote on that medium. Um, and so 
initially, it definitely built the str- like my platform when it came to Carlos um, kind of telling his story. We adopted our son, and I YouTube the whole thing and put it on my blog. And I've had a lot of kind of life events happen on my blog. But the, the, the cool thing is, is in the last two years, um, I've noticed that my blogging on my writing on ragamuffinsoul.com has slowed down a little bit. And so people are asking me a lot. They're like, hey, man, so like, do you think blogs are dying? Like, I noticed you're not blogging as much anymore. And my, my answer to them all the time is, no, I'm still blogging, but I'm just blogging on Instagram now because people are already there. And so what I do is instead of making people type www.whatever.com to go read my thoughts, I know people are going to be scrolling through a feed on their Instagram where they follow me already. So why not just give it to them there? So, the, again, the, the medium may change, but the message is going to continue to stay the same. And so, you know, blogging now happens on my Facebook page and on my Instagram feed. And now once a week I'll update my actual quote-unquote blog with new content. But I'm, I'm not putting it there on a daily basis. So, um, you know, it definitely, um, as a writer now, that, that's kind of where I'm sitting in the space the most of. Um, I'm, I'm using my blog as a writing building, uh, it's like kind of a writing muscle building tool as opposed to a space where I'm trying to convert clicks and hits and stats and things like that. Man, there's so much good in that. Just the yeah. the whole thought of going where the people are rather than trying to get the people to come to yeah, you. absolutely. brilliant. And in fact, yeah. I saw another blog you wrote, uh, and I can't remember when this was, but the whole uh, field of dreams idea that if you build it, they will come in right. regards to the church. Um, yeah, and this Gosh. just floods straight over into the social media side. Man, I could not g- agree any more um, yeah. on what you're saying here. Um, I will say your your writing style on your blog it, it's different than most blogs that you would read, um, and I really like it. I, I think you've sure. got a really distinct style, and um, it, it's a really interesting approach. Is it something you've done on purpose? This is more just a, a my own curiosity. Sure, yeah. Uh, is is it on purpose that you've done this, or is is it just you write the way you think, and that's just what it is? Yeah, you know, I, I think I've, I've always, when I first started blogging, I go back to the very first blog I ever wrote, and it was on Keith Green, and I had just come back from a Saddleback Worship Conference, and I'd gone to some blogging seminar, and I was like, what the heck is this blog thing? And I went home, and I signed up for a Titan <laughs> account, and I like... Uh, I was like, man, like I'm paying money for this. I've got to say something. And then for the first time I wrote something, it was very, um, it was written in that same voice. And I'd never really written before like that. Um, and so that, that just kind of was the way, you know, the way it started. And then also, you know, people always say that I'm, you know, in my writing, I'm pretty authentic. And uh, there was definite, there, there was a definite dis- decision early on to kind of point my writing towards disturbing, disrupting uh, their queer Christian uh, on purpose. And so my blog became a place where that was safe. I feel like my blog became a place where people were, you know, it was safe to talk about taboo subjects that honestly now the church is facing and has to talk about as opposed to chooses to talk about. And um, and so for me, it became a, a space of being able to do that safely. And, you know, lots of great arguments happened on my blog and uh, lots of great discussions. And so, uh, you know, those will continue to happen. But, you know, if, when people read my book, um, it, it definitely is written with the same cadence and with the same feel as my blog. And, you know, as a, as a blogger, stepping into the publishing world with a book, you know, publishers aren't hip to, to kind of blog styles. And so it was, it was a difficult process to kind of convince them to let me write in that cadence and that feel. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it definitely shows through, and we're, we're going to get to that book here in just a second um, <clears throat> and talk more about that. 
But uh, before we do, one thing I, I want to point out in, in regards to social media, blogging, in, anything else that would really fall in this kind of category over here, um, you wrote a blog that said uh, the, you gave the number one tip to increasing influence. What was that? No, I feel like you're quizzing me on my own blog. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is not at all what this is. Here, let me let me let me set this one up a little bit better. There You've got go. so much going on. I'm so sorry. Uh, no, no. You just said the number one tip for increasing your influence. It's working hard. Oh yes. You know, it's so funny. Like some days I have these great insights, and then I'm like, man, that was great. I put that somewhere. You, you know. And, and then also, this is, this is something else that's funny. It's sometimes somebody will retweet something that I tweeted like six months ago, uh-huh. and and I'll go, I said that. That's amazing. Like I, I need a favorite my own tweet. I'm brilliant. Like, I'm brilliant. No, you know, it's it's so funny. It's it's uh, there's all you know, and I probably was halfway making fun of some you know some blogs that I see or or articles that I see written on top 10 ways to increase your influence oh, yeah. online and, you know, top five ways to do this or that, you know, and at the end of the day, like, I can appreciate that. Um, but, but when, when it's come to people asking me about, you know, Carlos, how have you grown your, your online platform? And Carlos, how have you, uh, this and that? I'm like, I've done it every day. You know, people, so we, we had this video go viral in 2011, um, with my son crying in the back of the car cause he, um, I told him he wasn't a single lady, and we ended up, you know, the, the, the video went viral, 7 million views. We won a People's Choice Award, and suddenly people were asking me, like, how to strategically create a viral <laughs> video. And, and you know what I told them? I said, listen, I have over a 1,000 videos of my kids on the Internet, on YouTube, and only one of those has gone viral. So do you know that the step is you film your kids and put it on YouTube? Every, that's it. Like, you just got to keep doing it, do the work. And then maybe something's going to click, but unless we're doing the work there, there will, there will be no growth of your influence online. You know, you just got to get the work done. Right. Right. I love it. You just said work hard. And it even tandem something Jerry Seinfeld said, um, someone was asking him, what is a tip you would give to a, a new comedian? And he started talking about kind of similar to what you were just talking about here that, they always talk about these conferences with with that provide these ten secrets and and that kind yeah. of thing. And he said, if I were putting on that conference, I would get everybody together in one room, have this one banner made that rolls down, and all it says on the banner is just work. Yeah. And then he would send everyone home after that, which I think yeah. is brilliant. And that's what you're. That's exactly what you're saying here. In that it's it's just work. You have to put really in the time. Is. And even back to what you said a minute ago, that you make it a point to capture ideas every single freaking day. Yeah. And that's yeah. a huge part of, man, that's so good. And and ultimately where I'm going with this, and, and I think our society is, is starting to move past this, but especially when social media first was coming around and everybody was realizing this is kind of a marketing platform Absolutely. and how to use it that it was viewed as kind of a silver bullet that we just have to get on social media. Um, But I just think what you're talking about here so much applies to social media. It is just like anything else that you got to put the work in. You've got to, you know, all these tools are coming out every single day. And, you know, I mean, even, even recently, I would say that in the last, probably the last month, my, my, the most work I'm putting in on social media is on Snapchat and my Snapchat account has the smallest amount of people following me. So people are like, well, why in the world would you do that? Because I believe that it's a tool that is going to continue to explode. So I'm going to get in on the front end. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to build my base there. But I'm, 
what, what people will end up seeing is in a year when everyone else jumps on Snapchat, and then they're going to ask me, you know, like, oh, give me the three steps. I'm like, well, the three steps is getting on it at the beginning and, and every single day figuring out, no, they don't want to watch that. Oh, they want to watch that. No, they don't want to watch that, you know, and using it like that. And so making sure that you're, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's just like a sport, right? Like you're, you know, you watch these NBA players who they're amazing. They get to the free throw line and they miss every one of their free throws. And you, and then you watch a year later, they start to make them. What have they done? Every single day they've gone, they shot free throws, shot free throws, shot free throws. And you have to do that as you're continuing to build your social media arsenal. Man, I love it. I stinking yeah. love this. Um, okay, moving on. Moment Makers. The book you wrote, yep. this came out, was it last April? Is that right? Uh, yep, came out last okay. April. Okay. Um, man, this book is incredible so far and um, tags along with what we were talking about a minute ago that 2015 is your year of adventure. Yep. Um, and uh, just kind of the cliff notes here. Like I said, I started sure. reading this book, super impressed. I, I love the style that you wrote this in. I was captivated okay. in the in the intro, or I don't even know what that's called. But, sure. Um, but uh, not all books captivate me like yours has. Um, and, and one of the things I did like, though, that you talked about early on is that there's, there's three different types of moments. Um, first yep. is ones that you create, ones that you receive, and lastly, the ones that you're rescued from. Yeah. Um, give us just a synopsis of these real quick. Absolutely. You know, creative moments are the moments that we're in charge of, right? They're the moments that when we, you know, decide to throw a birthday party or throw a surprise, you know, engagement for somebody, whatever it might be like, we're... We're in charge of these moments, and when, when we look at the Scripture, we see that these are the moments that Jesus, on a daily basis, he was creating moments. You know, all of Jesus' moments weren't as big as the resurrection, right? Like, they, they're small, gentle moments that happen every single day. So those are created. Received moments are the moments that we get, the ones that we're, we're the recipients of. Um, and what I do in the book is I try to help people um, live their life in a way where they can receive more moments. Oprah calls these aha moments. These are kind of moments where your, your ethos shifts, where your perspective shifts, uh, because somebody else has given you a moment. And the problem with our society is that we're, we're so busy and we're constantly looking at our devices and we're constantly uh, checking our email and texting and tweeting and doing all these things that we're missing, all these moments that, were, that, that are trying to be given to us. And then last but not least, I wanted to make sure that the book didn't have, um, or that the book did have uh, a moment of, um, where, where people that are struggling through things issue, you know, I've struggled with depression and anxiety for 15 years of my life. And so life isn't amazing all the time. What do we do when we have to either rescue moments for other people or be rescued ourselves? And so, again, I look into the life of Jesus and I show kind of two ways that he rescues moments. Um, and then all these things together, I think, package kind of allow us to live this life where uh, people will see the way we're living and want to know more about that, which in turn allows us to share um, you know, to, to share why we're living this life. It's not about having your best life now, but it definitely is about, you know, living a life, an adventure uh, filled with moments where people are intrigued and, and begin to ask you. And then at that point for me, I'm able to dig deeper into, you know, the conversation about uh, what my life is really all about and things like that. Man, so good. So, yeah. so good. And what I love Thanks, about man. this is that you can take these and these can, tra- they, they apply to so many different things. Oh, um, absolutely. Your home life, which obviously comes first after your relationship with God, your home life for one, um, but even creating culture at your church and with yeah. internally in the organization and creating moments and recognizing when these moments are available and when you need to be rescued. I think these are all fantastic. Um, and yeah. then I think this also translates to social media still. 
Sure. And that you can utilize these, this kind of blueprint, if you will, um, you for your social media efforts. I, I stink and love this. It, it really, it, it does, man. It applies to everything. And so, you know, I mean, even with my kids now, like they're like, hey, daddy, can we create a moment for blank? Or they, they see a homeless guy on the side wow. of the road. Like, can we, can we rescue a moment for him? And, you know, there, I mean, there's little things that we do, like, you know, we, we'll have um, homeless bags that we make as a family and stick in the back of the car and it's got, got some um, some fruits in there. It's got a little bit of money. It's got maybe uh, a Gatorade. And and as we you know drive around and we'll see somebody, they know that there's a homeless bag in the back, and they they get to rescue a moment for this guy. Wow! And so we're just constantly making sure that we're always prepared for those moments. That is so stinking cool. Yeah. Um, want to shift gears one more time here. Sure. Um, and you'd written a blog a little while back uh, talking about four tips in creating a worship experience. Um, and, and one question I would have for you on this blog is, uh, how do you create a gen or from your perspective and to also provide a little context, if some of you out there listening don't know, Carlos, you were actually the former worship leader. Uh, was it at cross point? Um, at North point community church in Atlanta. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. North point. Okay. I, I, I lead worship at cross point, you know, a, a few weekends, a, a year, but I was full time on staff at North point. So Andy Stanley's church. Yeah. Okay. Um, So from your perspective, how do you create a genuine worship experience without it getting stale? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, I I think that that steps into the, we we had a, um, when I got there to North Point, I was actually the service programming director. So I directed all the Sunday services. And um, when I got there, I felt like things were, I think they, I thought they were a little stale. So I, I started asking myself, how do I create a worship culture or a worship experience? Again, worship not meaning music, but worship in general, mm-hmm. um, where where these people are are closing the gap between themselves and the cross. And so I came up with this thing called Close the Gap that we started doing. And the three things we would do every week in order to close the gap were, was to innovate, to examine, and to disturb and disrupt. And I felt like those three things, we, we would innovate every week. And innovation does not mean something cool which I think a lot of churches would take that and, and run with trying to find something cool to do. Innovation simply means something new. So, so if it's new, it could be, you know, singing hymns for your church, if all they've done is sing Hillsong anthems for the last 10 years. So, you know, so what could we do that, that was, that was uh, innovative that week? And then we would also examine what churches did in the past, in the present, in the future, those two things. And then we would disturb and disrupt. And uh, disturbing and disrupting was, was for the career Christian so that they could see Christ's face fresh again. So we took those three steps, and every single week we did that. And I felt like what that did is give us a, it gave us a blueprint, right? It gave us a, a map to be able to make sure that our worship experiences were fresh. Because if we just do what we did the week before, people are calloused, their eyes are glazed over, they sang that Chris Tomlin song 470 times, and it's not <laughs> going to be new to them again. And so you've got to make sure that every week you're disturbing, disrupting, it doesn't have to be massive. It can be small. And if we're intentional about those three steps, I think that gives freshness to our worship services. I, I love that. That yeah. is, is so, so good. Um, man. Okay, Carlos, I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, yeah, buddy. L- little segment we're launching into this week in our podcast uh, called Rapid Fire. So I'm going to just fire some questions at you. Uh, Bam. And, and you hit us with what you got. So first off, favorite flavor of ice cream? Vanilla. 
But oh man, you're I didn't even catch what I, you said bro, there. You said bro, it so fast. I'm so, I'm so fast. Like I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, I'm gonna blow his mind. I'm gonna answer, I mean, I'm not even gonna think. I'm gonna give you the first thing that comes to my my head, and that man, was vanilla. It's, I feel like a, vanilla guy. I feel like a darn fool. You you beat me at my own segment here. Okay, so vanilla is the favorite flavor of ice cream. Favorite quote. Oh man. Oh geez. Okay, here's a quote, and it just became my favorite today. <laughs> uh, it just became my favorite today. And I Instagrammed this. It's a, it's a T-shirt of, of Rosa Parks. It just says Rosa Parks, and on it, it's quoted, and it just says, nah, end quote. And it's basically her saying, no, nah, I'm not going to move to the back of the bus. But the shirt just simply just says, N-A-H, period, and then it says Rosa Parks. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, uh, if you could spend a day with anyone, dead or alive, who is it? Okay, say that one more time. You broke up. If you could spend the day with anyone dead or alive, who is it? Uh, John Locke. Okay. All right. Um, Top and, Locke, yeah. And uh, something that most people might not know about you. Um, that I was Eeyore at Disneyland the year before I got married for an entire year. And on my uh, off days, they would let me be Buzz Lightyear and I rollerbladed around Tomorrowland. You could not have answered that question any better. We go. That was incredible. Uh, all right, best song ever written, in your opinion? Oh my gosh, best song ever written, in my opinion, may have to be. Um, okay, I'm going to give you two versions. I'm going to give you my worship leading song version, yep. and then the worship leading song. I'm going to go back to shout to the Lord. I just that song was so epic when it came out, and the other day I did a like like a, a techno-pop version of that song for a youth group. Yep. And they acted like they'd never heard it before, and it was awesome. So there's, there's that one. And then I'll probably have to say a song like um, Where the Streets Have No Name by U2. Oh. So it's just classic, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, daily routine, 60 seconds or less. Yep. Wake up at, wake up at 4.30 a.m., CrossFit Box at 5 a.m., Starbucks at 6 a.m. to answer emails from 6 to 7, work on my blog from 7 and social media, uh, preparing from 7 to 8, right? Write my book from eight to ten. Go home for breakfast or for breakfast around ten. Um, head out to Portland Brew or these coffee shops to have my meetings from twelve to three, and then be home with my family at three. Wow! Uh, and lastly, what is your next tattoo? My next tattoo. You know, I was just looking at my my empty hand on my my left hand today, and uh, and I want to put something on my on the top of my left hand. I just don't know what it's going to be yet, but just know that it's going to be. Nobody knows this yet except for the Craig Sheet podcast people now. It's going to be on my <laughs> left hand, on the top of it, and uh, it's, uh, it's going to be pretty vicious, whatever it is. I'm pretty excited about it. I don't know what it's going to be yet, though, but it's definitely going to be on my left hand. You heard it here first, folks. Top, right here first. Top of the left hand is where Carlos Whitaker is getting That's his right. next tattoo. Maybe I'll get a sheep on there, <laughs> just, you know, in honor of you. You, we would be honored, sir. We would be honored. We'd be honored. Carlos, thank you so much for joining us today. Dude, absolutely, man. Your passion and, uh, man, just your just bulldog approach to this is it's inspiring, man. Thank you so much. Oh, good. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much, Mr. Los Witt, for coming on the podcast. You're the best around. Nothing's ever going to keep you down. You know, we've been talking a lot about social media, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, in case you didn't know it, Creative Sheep is on social media. We got a Twitter, we got a Facebook, we got Instagram. Our username is simple. It's it's simply at creative underscore sheep. It would be creative sheep without an underscore, but that username unfortunately was already taken by an egg on Twitter. That's right, he doesn't even have a profile picture. Drives me crazy every time I think about it. 
Anyway, I'm going to get upset if I keep talking. So I'm going to move on. Check us out online at creative underscore sheep. And of course, if you've never been to our website, it is creativesheep.org. Um, I know we've been referring to it as thecreativesheep.com, but that's no more. We're dropping the the. We're Zuckerberg in this thing. So it will be henceforth creativesheep.org. And that's our story and we're sticking to it. Well, that's all for today. Thanks so much for listening. From myself, Roman Johnson, Jared Hogue, and the entire Creative Sheep crew, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>